Thanks for tuning in to the Calvary Carlsbad podcast. Today's message was taken from our 10 a.m. service. If you'd like to join us in person, you can get more info at our website at calvarycarlsbad.com. Let's jump right in, and we hope you're encouraged. Well, we are in Hebrews right now. Hebrews uh, chapter 2. Um, as we have already can tell after two weeks of Hebrews, this book's going to be heavy, right? It's heavy, and it's so good. Um, by way of reminder, it's written to uh, this a group that is very Jewish in their background. They have a lot of Old Testament knowledge, and seemingly there is a draw for them to go back to the old traditions of the past, to try to let the law uh, become the standard again. Uh, to j- they, they're just remembering the past a little differently than it actually happened, right? And we all are in danger of doing that. We all can do that. We all actually do do that. You know, you look at high schoolers now and you're like, look at these little guys, you know? And then you see a picture of yourself when you're in high school. You're like, I was not as big as I thought I was, you know? And all your friends, oh, they were so gnarly. And you look at them and you're like, oh, okay, you're five, you're 10, you know, whatever. It's, it's because we have a way of remembering things different than they were. What this book is about is showing that Jesus is supreme above all else to anything else. He's so much better than any of the former plans. All of the stuff that God had laid out so that God, that the children of Israel could be blessable, could be set apart as his people, were shadows of the thing to come. And that the thing to come would be the person of Christ. So he's far better than everything else that we could possibly think or experience. And so we've been focusing the first week on the angels. Okay? that he's far above the angels. And last week we talked a lot about how angels are, it kind of helps us to see how great Christ is to actually acknowledge that angels are pretty gnarly themselves. And so as we elevate in a sense our view of angels and take them off of the precious moment sitting on your, you know, uh, you know whatever, uh, bookshelf, and we see these gnarly creatures that are like defending and, taking down and are terrifying every time they show up in their true form. We look at that and we go, okay. Um, And Jesus is far above. And these are angels that want nothing to do with uh, having glory towards themselves or anything like that. So we started with that. We're going to continue in a sense with that. Um, And uh, there's a stark warning today. We're going to be looking at a warning. So uh, by looking at the new covenant, which is started with Christ, Uh, Covenant is a partnership. Old Covenant was uh, God's partnership with the children of Israel. Uh, It started with a covenant with Adam. He was going to partner with Adam, right? There's lots of different covenants throughout the Old Testament. So that was a partnership. There was a partnership or covenant with Noah. I'm not going to flood the earth anymore. I'll save your family. I'll raise up a new nation. There's a covenant with Adam, right? I'm sorry, not Adam. Abraham. I'm going to make you... uh, great great nation. You're going to have many people. You're going to have a land. I'm going to bless you. Uh, There's the covenant with Moses, the Mosaic covenant or the law, which is this is how you will be remain set apart and separated. That's what we're talking about a little bit today. Rescue and then restored relationship through the temple, the tabernacle, then the temple. David, the Davidic covenant, uh, which is the king, the kingship covenant right? That there's, that he's a king, but there's a greater king coming. It's all partnership. Now we've reached the the pinnacle of partnership, which is through Christ. Now there's no longer a tabernacle and a, and a holy of holies that's keeping us out. 
we now have full access through Jesus Christ. And now the Holy of Holies lives inside of us, in a sense, through the Holy Spirit. So we have access to the Father, and the, the living God is living inside of us if you're born again, if you know Jesus. And so the new covenant's far superior to anything that they'd ever seen before. But there is a real warning to those who choose not to heed what we've been given. It's actually even steeper than it was before. So let's read and then we will pray. Uh, verse one, we're gonna be only going through verse four today, one through four. Therefore, you guys can stand. Let's stand and read. I kind of like that. Do you guys like that? It gives, it gives proper place to the word of God. Do we need that in our lives? We need to hold this high, don't we? Okay, uh, that says, I, I don't care about the inconvenience. I'll stand and hear what you have to say, right? Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we no neglect so great a salvation? which at the, be, at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his, or according to his own will. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word this morning. We pray that you'd speak to us through it, by it, give us ears to hear and eyes to see, that we would listen to you and elevate you above all else, including ourselves, so that we would be uh, attentive, responsive, receptive to what you're trying to show us. And we'd leave all of our excuses down uh, where they belong and that we would just hear you for what you have to say. And then we would be blessed because you're so good and faithful. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you guys may be seated. Therefore, so what's the therefore, therefore? Therefore is referring, referring to what else has been said, right? Therefore, with all this in mind, looking back, God who spoke through the prophets, through the law, now speaks through the Son, right? That's the beginning of Hebrews. God who spoke through the prophets and used prophets, and we'll see used angels, now speaks through the Son. That's, that's everything you need to know about Jesus, uh, about God you see in Jesus. He's the image of the invisible God. We've said this third week in a row, we've said this, right? The Son is the image of the invisible God. Son, who was part of the creation account, bringing about, about creation at the very beginning. Uh-oh. Okay, there it goes. I just like lost my place. The Son became the sacrificial lamb, it says, that takes away the sins of the world. The Son, far above the angels, who has a more excellent name, a name that is above all other names, right? The Son that's far, exceedingly above everything else, the angels that, that really know who He is, dare not even take on any sense of worship, right? The first chapter will point to the, it's the deity of the incarnate Christ. He is God. We're also going to see in the second chapter, he is man. And there's a, there's a general, you know, uh, issue where usually creation or like people go uh, more so Jesus is man or more so, more so Jesus is God. And they forget the fact that he was in fact both. That's why it's, we, it's really important that he is both, 
right? So it's like, oh, he's a man. He's a good guy. You know, he said some really nice things. He'd be really fun to have around, you know. Or he's God. He wasn't really affected or tempted by anything. He was, he was God, so of course nothing really mattered. He felt no pain. Uh, you know, he was just kind of could do whatever he needed to do. No, it was both, right? He wasn't just man, and he made that very clear, and he wasn't just God. He was both God and man fully. So uh, that there you go. Angels aren't to be worshipped. Angels are used as God's messengers. He's far above the angels. In Revelation 22, it actually says, uh, Now I, John, saw and heard these things. When I heard and saw, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel who showed me these things. Right? Revelation's wild. So John sees this vision, the angel's the messenger, again, showing him. And what does he do? He's, he falls down. This is John falling down at the feet of an angel because he just doesn't know what to do. And he wants to glorify God, but he starts doing it to this angel. And then he said to me, see that you do not do that, for I'm your fellow servant and of your brethren, the prophets, and of those who keep the words of, of this book. Worship God. Don't worship me. Worship God. I'm not, I am not to be worshiped. I am a servant just like you. And in, in Hebrews chapter one, we see that Jesus has made the enemies his footstool. The angels are the servants. So they're all part of this process. Angels, mankind, we're all created to bring glory to God. And angels, especially because of what they've seen and what they know, they find great joy and great pleasure in honoring and serving God. And they find great terror in taking any of his glory. We should probably listen to that, right? So, uh, yeah. Yes, and... Yeah, right. Matthew, also Matthew 4, 9 through 10, it says, And he said to them, All these things I will give you if you fall down at my feet. This is Satan, and worship me. Then Jesus said to them, Go, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him alone. Only God is to be served. Only God is to be worshipped. So Jesus is far above the angels. And we're going to get into why angels was an issue for them more so today. Um, and we talked about this. What are angels? They worship uh, and praise God continually right? They bring messages from God. They're messengers. That's their name. Angel, angels means messengers. They watch, guard, and interact in the lives of the, of the believers. And we told a story about that last week. Remember, there's also the story in Elijah, the Elijah in 2 Kings 6. Elijah prayed and said to the Lord, I pray, open his eyes. There's his servant is freaking out, right? King Syria is coming after him. The Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elijah. So we have these stories uh, that we told last week about real, re I mean, not real, but they're all real people, but people in the modern era where God protected them from unbelievable circumstances. And it was, they couldn't see it, but the people that were coming to kill them could, many of whom ended up becoming Christians later and converted. And so we have this view of angels. They're protectors. They're involved. They're interested in worship. They want to know what's going on. They're God's agents, in a sense, around the world. Uh, and so that's why we said there's a real good chance they're here right now, invisible, right? But can be made visible if necessary. They protect. Uh, what else do they do? They are agents of bringing about God's final judgment. We see that in Revelation. They're very much involved in that. Uh, we also know angels are ranked. They differ in their ranking. Uh, we know Satan is a fallen angel, as are his demons. Um, uh, 
but angels, they ultimately, they worship Christ. Uh, but Christ is the one who reigns. So he's far above that all others. So therefore, with all of that in mind, that was kind of a recap. With all of that in mind, we must give the earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. Give much more heed or attention to these things we've heard. We've got, and with all of that in mind, because Christ is so far above what had happened before, he's so far superior, we've got to really take heed to this. We've got to really pay attention. We've got to really be on guard that we don't drift away. So we're going to take Christ, his life, his deity, his sacrifice seriously, or we run the risk of drifting away. And drifting is, it's a slow washing away. That's what the word means. And it's, it has to do with like the sea of not being anchored. And so you slowly find yourself drifting away. Uh, it is, drifting is the beginning of completely falling away. You know, some kids, they go away to college and they come back and I'm not a Christian anymore. And you're like, what moment did you not become a Christian? Oh, way before. It's drifting. It's like one step after another. It's one step. So we've got to be really careful because the, the things that we fall into, they're never like, I made a decision today, go, go do something totally insane. No, it's usually like you made a lot of really small decisions that s- slowly started building up. And then after you made that decision, knowing that you did the wrong thing, you now have to justify yourself. So you paint a different picture in your head of the world that is around you. Right? And so now we're terrified of even words like truth. Truth is terrifying. That is a racist term, <laughs> you know? That is, a, that is a whatever term. You can't say truth. You're like, you, they'll throw, you can throw any sort of whatever term, you know, uh, uh, slander you can at the word truth to try to make you get off of it because it's convicting. And if we can remove truth, we can remove everything. There's nothing that can be changed because we're all justified in our own mind and our own thinking, right? And so we all got this, I'm an individual thing, which is, it's, it's a, uh, such a uh, um, counterfeit of the reality because you were made in an individual way, uh, but, in an, but you'll only find the truth and the reality of that place in finding your identity in Christ. So there's like, uh, yes, you're made to be different. Yes, you're made to stand up, step, be set apart. But you find out who you are as set apart as we come as a community before the Lord in faith and do it together. Not to be isolated. So you go, I want to become more of who I am. And so I separate myself from the people that know me and love me and are leading me towards, the, towards Christ. And I'm going to be completely different than everybody else. I'm going to be weird. You're like, you're weird in the same way that everyone is weird. That's not weird anymore. That is now mainstream. You know? And that's one of the things we always were like uh, conscientious of. Because I come from like the underground music scene. And you're like, oh, they sold out. It means they made some money. That's really what it meant. It means they're not broke anymore. You know, they made some money or whatever. But there was always like a fear of, oh, they sold out. Oh, they're, now they've become, they're making, they're doing this or they're doing that. Oh, they've, they've lost their edge, you know. This, this is, this is, you don't want to become, oh, I want to become part of the, the, the masses or whatever. And so you become actually part of the masses by trying to separate yourself from becoming part of the masses, which really isn't. So what do you do? You run around with people that act and look and 
exactly like you. Yet, the church is the most unique and beautiful place we can possibly be. We talked about this in this last episode this last week with Brandon. Uh, we interviewed, and it was, uh, he was saying how blown away he was to see older men and old and younger men and older women and younger women that loved each other and cared about each other and genuinely wanted something to do with each other. That's the church. That's unique. Because everybody's trying to block everyone else up. You don't get it. Ah, you don't get it. Ah, you don't get it. Oh, you don't get it. You'll never understand. So we have all these issues that are mounting up against us. And so we're recognizing there is some serious threats that will make us want to drift away from what God has called us into, which is a life and a reality that's formed and founded in Christ. He is everything you've ever wanted, but it's really easy to drift. Right? We know it's easy to drift. We also know that it often takes us a lot further than we thought it would take us, don't we? The drift becomes uh, like a destination quickly. You know, you, with, when there's like gnarly currents in the ocean, we know this, don't we? Remember being a kid, especially, and uh, you'd look for mom's or whoever's umbrella, and it's like, it's, the, it's those colors, you know? And that's, that's the landmark. And then all of a sudden, you can't find the umbrella. You have no idea. And the other landmark is what? The lifeguard towers, usually, right? And you go, okay, there's that lifeguard tower. I started at 19, and all of a sudden you look up, okay, I'm at, I'm at three. Where am I, you know? You're now in a different city, you know? How easy is that for, for that to happen? I remember one 4th of July, our friends were out. We were trying to go surfing, and it was just, it was like a river going across. I mean, it was wild. So we, we would walk, you know, a couple hundred yards down, and within five minutes, it's like, see ya. You're just kind of off. You're going. See you, see you in Oceanside, you know? Hop on out. We'll go get some lunch. We know how easy it is to drift, because there's no, uh, there's nothing stopping you. The current just takes you. It's, it's no resistance. So it's easy to drift, very easy to drift. So we think about that with college students and young adults, and we recognize, man, it's, it's not all happening in one class. Or one, it's a slow drift. And if you're a young person, recognize it's easy to happen. It's really easy to make that happen. I think about that all the time. I, when I got saved, I, it was a radical transformation. And within a year and a half, I was hitting a new low in my life. It was because I, uh, you know, got saved, radical. God met me. It was real. I was going to church all the time. I missed a week. I missed another week. You know what? You find some friends that say, church really isn't that important. You are the church. Oh, I like that. Everywhere I go is the church. Did you have church this morning? Well, yes, I woke up. You know, I'm the church. What did you do at the church? Did you read your Bible at the church? No, I just am the church. I have the Holy Spirit. The living God walks with me. Did you pray? Uh, no, but he's with me. I know that. And if I, I could pray, I probably in a posture prayer, the way I'm living. What do you know? Next thing you know, you're falling hard, hard, hard. And friends are trying to pull you out and you have to hit the ground the, the hard way. A lot of times that happens. You get saved and your, your hardest slam is actually a little after because you still think you're good and you, you find yourself drifting away. So we have to take heed. 
to what's been said. We've got to take heed to how good Jesus is and constantly keep him in our gaze. How do we do that? Well, a good way is reading the Bible for sure. Because if you get the big picture of the Bible and you recognize the tension of the Old Testament that's pointing towards, gosh, there's got to be a better way. Oh, there's got to be finally, oh, there's got to be a way where, where, where God can make things right. We've got to find the serpent, the snake crusher. Got to find the, the lamb, the perfect lamb, the Messiah, the long-awaited Messiah. And then you look in the New Testament and you find him. Oh, let us never lose our amazement with that. Let us not never be uh, become callous to the wisdom that we find in the books throughout the scriptures, the Psalms, the Proverbs, throughout all of the uh, Pauline epistles, the Gospels, the words of Jesus. Like never ever forget that those red letters mean something. That is the God who created everything deciding to speak to you. Think about how easy it is for you to drift. And you go, man, the God of, of all creation is speaking directly to us, right? And then we connect in prayer. I think worship is a huge deal, huge deal. There were some nightmares in our room and so started playing worship at night, right, Tor? Huh? The kids' room, not our room. Thank you. I know what I meant. Did you know what I meant? But there, were, there was like bad dreams. And then, so it's like, so what do we do? Play this really mellow worship music. And the kids, we haven't had them. They, they fall asleep worshiping God. This is so good. Or hearing it at the very least. Like having those words re going through your head. I, I, I heard a quote. I don't know if it's true. But it was basically, uh, if you read like a full Los Angeles Times or whatever, some big, big newspaper, you, you could potentially have more information than some of the founding fathers had in their whole lifetime as far as like what you can hear, you know, like all the news, all this stuff. It, it was never like that. We have, it's information overload, Google, right? Thank God for YouTube videos that we can learn things on, but it's become like a death trap. Like, I've got to learn how to do that. I got to learn how to do that. And I used to watch videos because it's like, oh, I'm going to watch a video. I'll learn how to do this and whatever. Now videos are too slow, you know? And so thankfully they put the chapters in there to where, oh, that's the one thing I need to learn. And you do that. No, nah, that's too slow. I got to find an article. And if I can find the headline, I'll read the one. Okay, I got it. Done. I'm gone. You know, get me out of here. Too much information. And it's messing with us big time, big time. Even the news we take in, we know more about the world than we're supposed to know. We know too much. We know too much darkness. And so a lot of people are crippled by that. Raise your hand. How many of you are crippled sometimes by the world being dark? Is that us? Yes. Look around. You're not alone. This is something we're all dealing with because we're, we're taking in more than we need to take in. And so we have to discipline ourselves, set apart time to go, I am making intentional efforts in my anti-drift, uh, you know, uh, initiative. And that's spending time with Jesus. It's not mechanical like that, but it's spending time with Jesus. And it's not just speeding through reading as fast as you possibly can and then putting your little star and you get badges right on the reading plan. You guys get badges? I got my badges. <laughs> look, yeah, look at me. How many days in a row? All right. That's not it. It's like, great, 
spend that time in the Word, but let it transform you. Never let your heart lose your first love because it's a, it's a genuine concern. And that's what the author of Hebrews is reminding us. This is a genuine concern. Do not drift. It is so easy to drift and it always starts one step at a time, right? Maybe you can remember a time in your life where you were exercising like hardcore or running or whatever. And you remember when you took a day off, two, a week, a month, I'll start again. When did you start again? The next year or never. It's, we just know this and there's no condemnation in that. Like who cares? Bodily exercise profits a little. Godliness, that's a great gain. It's way higher. But it's easy to know. It's, it's really important to know how easy it is to drift. And so here's our warning. For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward. We'll stop there for a second. If the law came from angels, right? So we have the law came from the angels, which was what they had said. We actually see Stephen refers to Moses receiving the law by an angel. God was using angels as messengers. That shouldn't be that surprising. Galatians 3.19 also mentions an angel being a part of it, as well as being part of the burning bush situation. So angels are involved. And so that's why they had this, this higher view of angels, Angels are the ones, and so that's why it was also easy, and we, we talked a lot about last week, to try to say, maybe Jesus was just a really good angel. That's what the Jehovah's Witnesses believe, right? He was like a high angel. He was a Michael the Archangel. And so what, what the writer or the author of Hebrews is saying, it's so awkward. I can't say the name, right? We don't know. But what, what is he saying? Jesus is way higher than the angels, and here's how they're distinct, you know, let's talk about how different they are. So if the word spoken through them proved steadfast, steadfast is firm or valid. It's a great word, great biblical word. Uh, and it's uh, something that is uh, st- strong. It's like hold fast. It's like a military term, right? Hold on, cling to, valid, real, you know? If it's something the angels proved to be the real deal, like think about like a rock you know like clinging to like a rock they believe that and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward uh so what does that mean if the law proved to be real well how do they know that because disobedience came with a price did they not know this what ended up happening people lost their lives because of their flippant view of the law god told them to do it one way They did it another way. They died. It's wild. Because he says, you're going to be set apart. If you want to be part of me, if you want me to dwell in your camp, if you want blessing from me, you're going to be set apart. And times they were cool with it. Sometimes they were absolutely not. What ends up happening? They get wiped out. Almost, you know, not wiped out, but like beat down by other nations. They get brought out into exile. Why? They don't listen to God. They're not honoring him as God. They want to do it their own way. Eventually, they want to make their own kings. Let's do it our way. We want to do it our way. And God says, no, your way is terrible. Look at, you want kings? Look at kings. Are there any good kings around you? Do you think it's a good idea? And well, boy, are we not in the same place in the world we're living in today? You're like, haven't some of these ideas been tried before? I feel like maybe they have. Could we open a history book and look? 
Oh, no, it's different when I say it's different. Yeah, right, right, right. We're doomed to repeat. We continue to go down the same path, right? We don't learn from history. We're doomed to repeat it. Same thing. And so they, they were, there was a real consequence with transgression and disobedience. There was, there was a real consequence to that. So there was a very sober reality to those who were uh, the children of Israel. They remembered the consequences. They talked about it throughout the oral law and what had been written. There was a lot of evidence for all the things that they had been through. They were scarred and marred by all of it. And so remember, if that, because this ends on a comma here, if that if that proved to be true, how much more true and how much more serious do you think the culmination of the shadow to reality is? So this is, this is a big deal, okay? This is, yeah, okay. So verse three. The lesser covenant was to be taken very seriously. Before we say it. The lesser covenant was to be taken very seriously or there would be serious ramifications. That's the lesser covenant. That's the old covenant. Now the new covenant. How... Shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him? How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? So with thinking about if the old covenant proved to be very true and there was major ramifications, if you didn't abide by it, how on earth could you possibly be saved when Jesus has given us the fulfillment? you drift away, what is left for you? There's nothing left. There's, you've got, so this is a scary thought. And we're going to have these throughout Hebrews. Hebrews has these warning passages and they're like meant to wake us up. It's kind of like the, the, on the side of the road you're driving and then there's that, you know, rough part when you get off to the side. Not that I know because I'm a very safe driver, you know, but you're driving and all of a sudden you're like kind of flipping a song or whatever, you're tired or something. And all of a sudden you hit the, the shoulder a little bit and it's like, I'm up. <laughs> Fine. That was aggressive. You know, like, what was that? It's like a guardrail before the guardrail. Like this one will wake you up. The guardrail will really wake you up because you're going to have to pay a lot of money to fix your car. But these are all wake up, wake up. Think, think, think. Don't be flippant. Even to be flippant, to be like comfortable is a sign of drifting. Like pay attention. Look back for the umbrella. Where are you? Can you see the umbrella? Have you stayed aligned with mom? Is there corrections that need to be made and you didn't make them? Where are you? And it's, it's, so it's an eye-opening thing for us. So how shall we escape? If the old covenant had consequences, for refusing to align our lives with God's plan, how much more will the ultimate fulfillment have? How much more? How will we escape if we are unconcerned with this great salvation or deliverance? How on earth can we escape when God has lavishly, by his grace and his mercy, given us a way out, a fulfillment? How could we possibly, like, where else will we go? This is, this, it, it was a message that was directly delivered from the word of the mouth of the Son. He said it very clearly. If this is God, 
in human form. He told us he's the way to salvation. He then lived a life that fulfilled all these prophecies. He died in a way no one saw coming, and then he rose again. Over 500 witnesses saw it. If we have all this evidence, not just that evidence, but the evidence that's happened in our life, where you think about what has God done in your life specifically, I think everybody has some sense of miraculous working in their life. God has done something in your life that you can look back on and say, wow, he really showed up. If nothing else, he's revealed to you that you need him. That's a miracle. Especially knowing how easily we're deceived. And how easily we can deceive ourselves. So this is a really serious thing. And so we've got to take heed, pay attention to our salvation. We've got to hold on to it and look at it and say, where am I at? Because here's the other thing. A lot of times we think of, oh, you know, the slip is going to be because I decided to go walk into sin and go do my own thing. Uh, But unfortunately, even Jesus tells us a lot of times the slip is good things that are put in the wrong alignment, wrong place. There's a parable about this in Luke chapter 14. It says now, uh, verse 15 says, Now when one of those who sat at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then he said to him, this is Jesus. Here's the parable. Do you love stories? So does God. Isn't that cool? He's like, here's a story that's going to help you understand. A certain man gave a great supper and invited many and sent a servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, Come, for all things are now ready. But they all, with one accord, began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must go and see it. I ask that you have me excused. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm going to test them. I ask you to have me excused. Still another said, I've married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to the servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. And the servant said, Master, is done as you commanded, uh, and still there is room. Then the master said to the servants, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled For I say to you that none of these men who are invited shall taste my supper. This is sobering. Why? Because this is not like outright, like gnarly sin. These are people who have let the distractions of this earth become more important than the kingdom of heaven. This is is a warning. And it's from the, you know, gracious hippie Jesus, who's like, everyone's cool. No, no, no. What does he say? He's like, hey, look. I am so gracious and so loving and I will forgive you and I will restore you and I will transform your life, but do not neglect me. Do not neglect salvation. You can lose it all. You can miss it all if you miss this, right? And so we get into the question, all right, once saved, always saved. There's all kinds of different views on that. I think there's a couple different ways to look at that. One is, um, how do we know someone's actually saved? I think generally there you see transformation in their life. Um, and so sometimes people will say, I said a prayer, but there was no actual transaction where they really gave their heart to the Lord. We don't know, right? Another one is, uh, I don't know. It, it seems like some 
there's some verses that seems like maybe you can. There's other ones where we know we're secured and in, in, in him. All I know is I don't want to mess around with that at all. You know, I don't want to get caught up in a theological conversation and miss the heart of it. Ah, you had to stay on a technicality. I've, I've done marriage minister, uh, counseling a couple times where one of them has said, they can't divorce me. It's in the Bible. And you go, this is your best. Is this seriously where we want to go with this? You can't, you're not allowed to divorce me. I own you legally. Mm-hmm. Right there, boom, you know. You'd be wrong. You'd be the one that's in the wrong if you did. Ha-ha. I don't have to change. No. That's not, that, you're missing the point. Right? How about you're not a person that they want to leave in a sense, Right? So that's the, you're missing the point. So you think, it, oh, I'm illegal. Oh, I've got this. Oh, I've got my fire insurance set up. No, we're missing out the point that Jesus wants us to have an interactive, full life living with him in the middle of all of it. It's a return to the garden. It's a return to, to what it was supposed to be, where we live and walk with God, and then he's living in us, and he's using us, and we're enjoying him. And in the meantime, he's He's showing up for us in the highs and the lows of life. And he's, and he's, he's promises never to leave us or to forsake us. And we have an active life with him. But if you're slipping and you're drifting, that, that's the first thing that goes, isn't it? That like active awareness that Jesus is with me. The conversation is gone. Usually it's the same thing with a marriage. The first thing that goes, the conversation is gone. You stop talking to each other bad things happen after you stop talking to each other, right? Because now there's a wedge that's drawn in. Everyone's justifying themselves. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I know, you know, I, I, I'll wait till they come and apologize to me. Well, you might be waiting for a while because they said the exact same thing. You're both going to be waiting forever. How do you do that? You enter it back into relationship, which is conversation, intimacy. What Jesus has called all of us into is a life of intimacy. That's the idea of the, the fruit abiding, right? Or, or the, the, the branch abiding, abiding in the vine and the fruit being produced by the branch. We live as him as our supply and our source. So we've got to be careful, even when they're good things, right? Look at the things that he's, he's, he's like, I bought, I bought some land. Sorry. I'd love to come to your banquet. I'd love to be part of what you're doing, but I just bought a house. How foolish does that sound? Right? How about oxen? You go, yeah, what a dumb thing. How about cars? I don't have time to do anything for you, Lord. I got cars. I got half. Right? Okay, it's going to even ramp up even more. Right? I I got married. You know, if you put any of these things as the idol, as the center of your life, you are going to be hurting, right? Because you think, oh, marriage, that should be the center of my whole life. That will be a rough marriage. If you're expecting your wife or your husband to be God for you, to be Jesus for you, they are not going to do a good job, and you're going to be bummed out on them. So Jesus got to be at the center. And we recognize our spouses are just like us, sinners saved by grace. That we're pilgrims together, locked arms. We chose, man, we're doing this together. That's great. 
but they're not your savior. They can't be. So, hey, oh, my marriage is in the way of me and my relationship with the Lord. You better not be, right? So what happens? The master's angry. And so he goes out and he finds like the most unexpected, unexpected people. People, though, that are hungry and desperate. That know they need a savior. That know they need a meal. This could be like the destitute. Hey, I threw a, a, a party for all of you, but no one cares. So guess what? I'm going to invite everyone that doesn't have food to come. I bet you they'll appreciate it. So this is confirmed by these witnesses, right? So uh, we have this greatest salvation, which is the first the Lord spoke uh, and was confirmed uh, to us by those who heard him. It was confirmed by witnesses. There were the apostles sought. There was many eyewitnesses to this. A lot of people believe this shows that uh, it wasn't Paul because he doesn't say he was one of the witnesses. Who knows? I don't know. Um, but there's also, we got also re- re- like ex- think this, okay? I think this is the case. There is a higher judgment. There's a higher judgment in the new covenant than in the old. If you, if you choose to deny it, especially if you know it. Because I, I, there's no hope if you reject the Messiah. You've been given everything. The Holy Spirit is, is beating on our hearts and working on our hearts. And that, I believe, is the rejection of the Holy Spirit or the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. So, like, there's actually a worse judgment because of what, you've been rece- what you have received. So I think that's, that's something that's really worth thinking about and taking very seriously. So what's our, what's our response to that? It should be respond and, and repent, change, you know, like, like let this be the moment. If that, if you find yourself in any arena of life, and we're not sin sniffing. It's like, gosh, I hate those. When you go to like a men's retreat or something, it's like, how many of you guys are in trouble, you know, whatever in sin and, and, or like, I want everyone to come forward and no one comes forward, forward. I know some of you have done and so they like try to like say all these things to make people feel guilty so that it looks like a lot of people come up front i hate that it's manipulative don't do that but what we do want to do is if god reveals anything in our life that we're drifting in we respond to it we hear it and we go oh my goodness that part of my life i left unguarded and i've drifted way further than i thought i was James 4, 7 says, Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. This is the response we have to when we see drifting in our life. And, and uh, I think a lot of times judgment, the cross, sin, it's lost a footing in the church. It's not really talked about. It's like, you know, Jesus is your homeboy. He's your best friend. He's cool with everything, dude. He's so chill. But it's like, no, the cross is, does not say that. And these verses certainly don't say that. This, this is a very real thing. It's like, Look, he has made the way, but you still have to make the decision. I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm following you. I'm going to do this. And so we recognize when we have an issue, we repent. And um, I was just listening to someone today. They were talking about how, like, the a lot of the um, problems 
we've seen in church is like a lack of preaching on repentance of sins. We really need to repent from our sins because the idea of a sinner is like, no, you're perfect just the way you are. No, you are not. You're created in the image of God, but you're, you're a sinner. And, and that's good news because that means it can get better, <laughs> right? Because if you're just trying to cleanse what you are right now, eh, there's not much hope there. So recognize all of us in this room, we're all in this position. So there's somewhere in our life where we have to submit to God, resist the devil, let him flee from us. We draw near to God. We have the promise that he will draw near to us. What do we do? We cleanse our hands. What does that mean? We take physical steps to remove these things from our lives and to rededicate ourselves to the Lord. The idea of cleansing, the idea of holy, it's to be dedicated and set apart. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Don't be offended. Call it what it is. Are you double-minded? Well, then don't be offended. <laughs> right? And then, it was, and then this, let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. We are so, I think we, this is a really big problem. We don't want to feel any sort of pain at all in our life. I think it's so crucial to have laughter turn to mourning and your joy to gloom at times. Like life is, it, it, if we look at the Bible, it is full of two, two things, you know, one side and the other. Like we're called to fast, we're called to feast. We're called to have joy. We're called to mourn. We're called, there's all these different, you're called to be, to be born, called to die. There are highs and lows, a base, a bound, right? And so it's not, there's not something wrong. So if you're struggling right now and you're hurting, I think unfortunately, a lot of times it's like, oh, you don't have enough faith. Oh, you don't have enough. Oh, you don't have that. No, 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 no. God is working something in you right now through that struggle, through that pain, through that suffering. He's doing something in you that's going to have an exceeding weight of glory, right? The Apostle Paul, who seemed to have a really good relationship with the Lord, right? Let this, please, let, don't take away this, this infirmity. Nope. My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. I'm going to take care of it. Don't worry about it. I got you. But I'm, I'm going to show you, Paul, because you're pretty aggressive and you're pretty good at setting up your own kingdoms. You're very zealous. We're going to slow you down a little bit here and you're going to trust me more. And Paul's like, that's great, man. Good. I, I, I need that, I guess. And I, that's what I'm going to do. And so he's like, no. And so that's why when you hear Paul say, I worked harder than they all, not I, but the grace of God in me, because there's a constant reminder of, oh, man, Lest I fall, I'm not going to think I'm something better. So we humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord. He lifts us up. Verse 4. Sorry, we're going long here. Uh, we're almost done. God also bearing witness with both signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to his own will. Uh, was there any question what he has done? He's used signs and wonders. We saw it in the life of Jesus. He rose from the dead. It's just all kinds of stuff. Too many of us... We've, how many of us, we've experienced miracles. We remember what he's done. Tell of it often. Remember those things. That's a good way of remembering your first love. By the way, marriage tip. Remember your first love when you first got married. If you're ever in like a, a, like a rough spot, remember how much fun you used to have. And maybe go do the fun thing again. 
right? Oh, we used to like doing this. Go do the thing. It's like a return to like a place of, ah, God, that's where it was. Return to that place. Go back to it. Return to your first love. Yeah, you say that's great for that. How much greater is it when we do that with the Lord? Return to him. Come back to him. Remember what he's done. Talk about him often. Exalt, exalt him. Speak highly of him. Think, remember the things that he's done in your life. That's like the, the Shema prayer. Deuteronomy 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God. This is We, we talked about this, I think it was on Mother's Day. This is, this is how they would teach the next generation, by remembering what God has done and speaking it out. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You, the, uh, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall uh, talk of them when you sit in the house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Remember, remember, remember everything that you do when you're sitting down to eat, when you're standing up, when you're walking, when you're everything that you're doing. Put it up, write it, put it on your wall, put it on the wallpaper on your phone, put it in the car, wherever as a reminder of all the things God has done, how great and mighty he is. This keeps us from drifting. This keeps that umbrella firmly in place. This is exactly where I need to be. This is exactly how I need to be aligned. God meets us there. And he will blow your mind. The little bit of effort it takes to stay in this place, it's like, it's, it's blessed like a million fold. <laughs> by his faithfulness and, and presence and knowing that he's with you, even when things don't go exactly how you want them to, to go. Even when that perfect house isn't perfect anymore. Even when that perfect car depreciates. Even when that perfect spouse <gasps> lets you down. Even when your kids blow it and start going sideways. God will meet you there and he'll take you through. But we got to remember that he's a God that can and will and longs to do that in your life and in my life. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to join us in person, we meet at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings. For more info on the church or ministries we offer, head over to calvarycarlsbad.com. Thank you and God bless.